Chris and Noel, welcome to another Fearless in Devotion. Uh, Liam, you been anywhere this week? Uh, I've been, I've been racked up with flu at home, if that's what you mean. So if that's exciting enough for you. Yeah, uh, well, I've been to Athens. We both got food poisoning, so I must be the only person who's been anywhere this week. Tim, have you been anywhere this week? Yeah, I've been to uh, to Qatar, via Dubai, via Heathrow, via Bahrain, via Birmingham, via eight flights in total. So yeah, it's been a, been a busy, busy week. So come on then, overriding thoughts. Uh, great experience. Nowhere near as bad as the um, the wider media would have you have you think. Um, very welcoming. Very, literally, very warm environment. Especially Qatar. Much, much, much more hotter than Dubai. Just great. Really, really well planned out. Uh, you'd have to be an absolute idiot not to know where you're going. There's, there's so many people on hand directing you with megaphones and giant um foam hands everything really um it was really good and the only thing that laid down was the was the performance levels um in both the games so yeah the usa one was kind of great atmosphere uh rubbish first half got the penalty barely deserved probably a draw but take it all day long it was just it was just really good occasion you know because it's been that long in the making and then the Iran the Iran one was rubbish to be honest the, they outsung us they outfought us um, everything that could have gone wrong that they did the only good thing about it is that it was very very warm and I got a slight minor tan from it so yeah other than that it was um, it was a rubbish rubbish day and I dare say not long after this goes out we may be next week discussing several high pro- high profile um, retirements from from that squad, so we shall see. But if you're going to retire, you might as well retire at World Cup, I guess. Yeah, it does seem like a bit of an end of an era, really. I think a lot of components of that team seem to be coming to the end. But you know, what a, what a ride, Liam! You watching it from home? What was your sort of standouts? I think the US game, given the two results, has to be the standout. I think the first half. It was really difficult to watch. It was a bit like watching a Wrexham away game or something like that. But once I got the penalty, you know, it, that that was the moment just because of, of what it meant. And as much as people will say, oh, well, we shouldn't just be happy to be there. Well, actually, we should because of how damn long it's been. And getting to enjoy those individual moments of, you know, the anthem being sung at the World Cup, scoring a goal at the World Cup. I don't think we should take those for granted whatsoever. And towards the end of the US game, we could have could have won, snatched it at the end. Wouldn't have been deserved, but you know, no one would have complained if we did. Iran game, I was already feeling like complete ass, <laughs> and watching that game didn't really help it. I think there was a slight sort of you know, people, one or two people saying we should thrash Iran off the back of that England game. I think that was a bit of a, a false trail. They're a decent side, well organised. They did everything that we couldn't do. Um, so, yeah, it was it's disappointing, but I see the, the England game now as a bit of a, almost a free hit. Yeah. No, I, I sort of agree. I mean, in, in many ways, it simplifies the mind. We need to go out there and win. And so if we're going to go down, let's go down fighting. And I am sort of, I think the pressure is off a little bit for the England game. I'm going to sort of 
try and enjoy it as much as I can watching it in a London pub with all my mates who are English and (laughs) (laughs) paying 50 quid for the privilege. So, right. Anyway, to more sort of things closer to home. Liam, you were at the game yesterday. Is Paul Mullin the best striker you've ever seen? Yes, and the reason is because I was not complaining about him, but he had a really quiet game and someone behind us had just been talking about it. The next thing, he got his first goal, um, which quite a well, you know, sort of a poacher's goal, your classic Mullin type of goal. And before you know it, he's got a hat-trick. So, yeah, he, he, he it's just that thing of... You know, he can be looking like he's not having the best game and then he goes and gets a hat-trick and you're thinking, well, what can I complain about then? You can't at all. It did make a difference when Palmer came on alongside him up front. I think it's obvious to anyone that that's the the best partnership. And also, best midfield is with James Jones in it and either Elliot Lee or, well, unfortunately now Jordan Davis looking to be out injured. But it just it reaffirmed a lot of things I thought about this team like I don't, it's not McAlinden's fault, but I don't particularly like him at right wing back. Um, but overall, hard not to be pleased with the performance. Particularly, I think Elliot Lee's goals have stand out for me. Yeah, great, great strike that. And I, I think you're right about McAlinden. I, you know, I think he's a willing runner. I think there is talent there. I just don't think he suits being on the right because he's so left-footed. He's turning in on himself all the time, and he might even beat a man, but he doesn't want to cross with, with, with his right foot. So he sort of cuts back in again and it does seem that he's not really suited to that sort of that right-hand side. But Tim, how strong was that bench? I mean, if you're looking for options, wow, there was so, so much there, wasn't there? Yeah, that's, that's the, the key thing, isn't it? Getting, getting those, um, those older faces back that we've not seen for a while. The Harry Lennons of this world has been missing action for what seems like forever. Um, Jacob Mendy, good to see him back on there. Obviously, Lainton. Yeah, massive bench, and if if it had, if it had all gone a little bit squeaky with five minutes to go, he might have chucked a, a few extra bodies on. So, you know, I, I keep saying it, but that's that's where we're gonna. You'd like to think it's going to get us over the line is is the strength and depth of what we got this season compared to last season. You know, you you only have to ask any Stockport fan; they'll tell you exactly the same thing. They were in the same position the season before they beat us to last season. So, we've got to we're going to make sure it counts and. Yeah, like like what Parky said, if it was going to be one of those uh, awkward games, which is what it was, and it was a bit nip and tuck, which is what it was, he was he had full um, credit, well, full sort of belief in his team that the quality moments would come, and they did. And then once once a couple of them came, a few more came after that, and I think everybody can agree that the, the scoreline is very very harsh and Farnborough has to be said. I think it was, it was definitely not a four one you know, by any stretch of the imagination. But the good thing about it is that it's just relentless. It's the relentless nature. It's like, well, yeah, you played well. And yeah, you put up a good showing. But at the end of the day, the, the, the scoreline says 4-1. And that's all people who weren't there or don't know anything about it will see. And that's all that really matters, really. So, yeah, going into uh, back-to-league action in, in, in decent well, really decent form, and there's no let-up now, and they can't afford to be any let-up. And to go into a very, very busy, festive period with almost you know, 95% of your squad back fully fit is the perfect scenario. 
Yeah. Uh, so, you know, we are coming to, to January. As, as Liam said, there is an injury to to Davis. It looks like it's a knee injury rather than a lot of people were saying you ACL, but maybe that's that's not the case. I think there'll be a, a scan either today or tomorrow. Do we need to dip into that transfer market, Tim? And if so, where would you look? Yeah, I mean, you know, the Davis of this season, not the Davis of last season, is it? And that's that's not been helped in any stretch by by the kind of in, the, the injuries he's had, really. So he's not really had a, a good, solid, sustained run, which has got him to the levels he's reaching last season. So I think that's an obvious an obvious port of call. Is you need to look at that midfield berth straight off the bat. We've all said about about the striker options that if if Palmer was to get injured, then Dolby's the natural, you know, person to go in there. But then beyond that, did do we need another one potentially, potentially in there? I think we're all right for keepers now because because you know we've got those players back. I think defense is a funny one because he needs to make that call again. It, it, it is, does Lennon now have you know, the legs literally to, to last until the rest of the season. You know, they said preview fitness, he proved it, and then he then he's injured again. So he's having rotten luck. Hopefully all that bad looks out of the way. I think mid midfield, if Jordan's injuries long term seems to be the the logical aspect at the moment. And we, we've said it for ages, haven't we? We need somebody who is the bully, who's going to drive us forward, who's going to do the dirty work. Luke Young's been amazing, magnificent season again for him. But I just think we need a different type of midfielder to him and the likes of Elliot Lee, who are kind of like the industrious players who can who can turn a game as Lee did with that shot. So yeah. we just need somebody who's, who's just a bit more horrible, you know, in the mould of Keats, your Harris, your, your Darren Ferguson's, that sort of stuff. So we'll see. Hopefully Jordan's injury isn't isn't that serious. Um just looked like he got his stud stuck in the turf and it's kind of maybe jarred, isn't he? I don't know either either or. I don't don't expect we'll see him any back anytime soon, really. Liam, tell me who we need in this squad, violent medium of players we coveted but could never afford. Oh, we need a Damien Reeves. Uh, <laughs> or what's that little, little Natalie Fireman, Reese Griffiths? <laughs> what about Matthew Is he still on loan? <laughs> and there was oh, it was the um, Hinkley number ten. Thingy grey <laughs> out of him, yeah. It's weird okay. to be in that situation now that where we could afford all these type of players that we were clamouring for. I but yeah, I think you know, if we if we if there's the right players out there at the right price, you have to say with what we've got at our disposal at the minute, you do think you know, if there's that player that that we sort of give us a bit extra, I mean, I don't think. We'd get him, but you know, you say someone like Rodriguez at Notts County. If you could pip him off a rival, why wouldn't you? Quite frankly, in January, I mean, I spoke to Max Clearworth through the week and I asked him um, who's the most difficult opponent to come up with, and one of the first ones off his tongue was Rodriguez. He says horrible to play against, nightmare. So him, you mentioned Dallas and Sparrow, uh, Solihull Moors as well. So. Yeah, but it would be nice, wouldn't it, to do what Fleetwood did to us all those years ago and weaken a direct title rival. Can't see it happening, but it would be nice. Do you see it happening? I don't know. I don't. I don't see it happening. Not with County. I think there's more of a chance with with Solly Hull if that's the way we want to go. But yeah. I just don't think he's ever really he's ever really looked to do that. He's always looked further up the the, the pyramid, isn't he? And you do know, 
do you think the transfer targets have already been identified? Because we were, I'd say so. yeah, I'd say so. Because this time last year, as we know in the documentary and stuff, where Palmer was identified earlier on, it'll be surely it'll be a similar thing now. He's got to be much, much more happy with the squad and the way things are in terms of where we are in the league. But I imagine he's already handed a little slip of paper to John Harvey and said, These are the three I want. I can't imagine yeah. he wouldn't be more than that. No, no, I can't imagine any more than that. I think it's a balancing act because if you go out, out and spend another 400 grand on a striker, that striker will expect to play. And if you bring them in and you, you ruin the balance of what you've got, it could actually be counterproductive. So, yeah, it, it, is a, it, is, it is a little bit dangerous, but I do think one or two players can really help this squad kick on. And even if they're not getting in the side, they can say to the likes of James Jones, Young, you've got to keep your performance levels up. And, you know, Tom O'Connor, when he came in last season, really gave James Jones to kick up the backside he needed that season. And he was brilliant for the rest of it. And that's carried on. So if you can do something similar again this January and just have things ready in case something does go wrong or you do need something a little bit, bit different from the bench, I think that's the way they'll do it. But I, I can't really see any more than two. Um, interesting, he's never used a loan market. I wonder if uh, this is the time, really. Right. This player, who we're about to uh, about to speak to now, is a very good component of the squad system. Came in a couple of years ago, was our first choice, was a little bit more in and around the squad for, since until he left back end of last season. Tim, do you want to just do a very quick introduction? Uh, you may opt to get um, the loved one in your life. This is a gift for Christmas and you may also wish to entertain them by having this particular portion of meat on their plate the very same day. So yes, those are the shit clues. It being perfume and steak, him being Dior Angus. Very, very interesting character. Really nice guy. Lovely fella to speak to. Very forthright in his views and opinions on stuff. And yeah, here's what he had to say. Joining us on this week's podcast is a player that was signed by Dean Keats in February 2021. He's technically one of the first players signed by Robin Ryan for the club. He's probably the most softly spoken player to have ever played for the club. He is perfume. He is steak. Welcome, Dior Angus, to the to the pod. How are you? Thank you for having me, guys. I'm well. I'm well. Good. Thank you for finally joining us. It's been uh, it's been. I don't know, it's a few months. It, it just feels like longer since you departed. It was September, wasn't it? So it's not that long ago at all. But There's like, so much going on, isn't there? I think yeah. the timeline just it seems to expand because of... Yeah, it's been, it's been a bit of an odd one. But let, let, take us take us right back. Obviously, you're at Barrow. <laughs> you'd hit off a good good partnership with, with uh, Scott, Scott Quigley, one of our former players. Yeah. We're productive. You helped Barrow get promotion. Mm-hmm. And then you arrive at Wrexham. So just take us through that process, because for those, we've got a lot of new fans now with the American, American audience and so on and so forth. For those who may not know, you and Tyler French were two players that were, were brought to the club, even though the trust, the, the, the Wrexham supporters trust still owned the club at the time, but it was still in a state yeah. of flux because Rob and Ryan 
were on the cusp of taking over, but it hadn't quite happened yet. But they essentially said, you know what, if this takeover doesn't happen, we'll we'll underwrite those signings anyway. So mm-hmm. technically, you and Tyler are, to all intents and purposes, Rob and Ryan's first signing. So yeah. how did that come about? Obviously, you must have been aware of the of the circus, for want of a better word, that was surrounding the club at the time. Did that make it more enticing or was it very much you were already sold by what Dean had said to you? Um, it was more so the fact that like, I played at Wrexham a few times um, back when I was like 19. I actually played against Keatsy. Oh, right. It was an FA Trophy game. I was playing for Solly and Moores and we lost 3-2. Andy Morrell played. Um, Rob Olgaby played, split his head open. Um, <laughs> and then I played the year I joined Barrow and actually did my ankle that, that day. I think we won 2 3 nil. Um, and then I played there the start of the season that we got promoted and there was like 6,000 there. So at the time that was pretty much the most I'd played in front of. So I was like, wow, like you look at Wrexham on the fixtures and you're like, oh, wait for that away one because you know, it's going to be a big crowd, nice stadium and all that. So I was kind of sold if I'm honest. Yeah. And then I kind of found out the whole Rob and Ryan thing a little bit later, um, when I was going to sign, um, the guy looks after me, agent, whatever you want to call him. He, he'd said, oh, do you mind being on a, a TV show? I said, what do you mean? And he was like, they're filming a, like a Netflix type documentary. I said, well, I'd rather, rather not if I can keep a low profile. He was like, the camera's going to be there when you turn up. I was thinking, this is not like a Harry Redknapp Sky Sports <laughs> moment thing. So I turned up and I met John, who, who did the documentary, who's like the best guy ever. Um, and then I was like, oh, this is, this is quite cool, the whole documentary thing. Not that I really wanted to be in it too much. Um, it was more like just get on with the football side of thing. But it's a massive club, isn't it? Um, and they always had pull anyway. But now, obviously, the pull is, is even greater. Yeah. I mean, even then, when you came in, and I presume you weren't aware of it then, but when, when, you, when you sort of were asked to come in, I think there was a few... Um, gaps to fill striker-wise. I can't remember off the top of my head. I think maybe Kwame left then. I can't remember. I think Jake Hyde might have been injured. So there was definitely a need for reinforcements at that time. So when when you met Dean, was was it very much a case because you come in, you know, in, in the, the February of that season. So you've got yeah. X, Y, you know, so several months left until the season ends. Was it very much a case of, look, you know, we, we know you can score goals at a high level. Mm-hmm. Like hit the ground running as best you can and, and see where it takes us. Yeah, pretty much. Like Dean was, Dean's a really good guy. Like, he was very much like everyone's sort of level, level playing field. We've got a good group. It wasn't a massive squad. And to be honest, in football, you very rarely come across a group of players where you think he's a knob. Can I say that? Yeah. Yeah. He's a knob, he's a knob. And you get, you get good groups generally and they're a really good group. And he was like, look, just come in, do your thing. And um, we're obviously trying to get into the playoffs, which we, we missed out on because I didn't shoot against Dagnan and try to square it to JP. But oh, so it's all that. your fault. We can blame you for that. It's my fault. And then they put that on the documentary. Cheers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, brothers getting sent off. And I mean, what, as, you, as you've mentioned in the documentary quite early, we, we, it'd be, be daft not to talk about it. I'm assuming you've watched it. What, what, what do you make of it? Um, I am about four episodes deep so far. I haven't watched it all. You've got plenty to watch. You've got plenty to watch. Yeah. Um, 
But I, I like it. I like it. I think it's done its job in terms of getting people to understand like the fans and the people of Wrexham. I feel like that was the main yeah. reasoning of the, the doc. Yeah, ev- everyone knows like football club. I say everyone. The newer fans might not know much about football. Um, but I feel like it was to get them, get to know the people and the reason why why Wrexham, why the, the Rob and Ryan chose Wrexham, really. Because they probably could have gone and purchased any football club, wouldn't they, really, if they wanted to. Yeah. Uh, but I think like that, um, Rob really related to the people of Wrexham like he did the people of Philly. So obviously you, you, you were there when you first came, when they first visited. I think you had a speaking part in the one password. Advert. Yeah, it's my claim to fame. <laughs> if it was a good effort it was a good effort I, I thought do you know, was... do you know what I'm, I'm not going to big myself up but I am I actually didn't mess my line up once no neither did neither did Moles but he only had to say one word to be fair yeah I, 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 and this is not just because you're on the podcast you are, you, you were the most natural of the bunch I thought the natural Thank actor you. He, he, like sort of, he said to me he was like um, I thought oh, it's going to be all like superstars in this video like Moles and I'll just have like a side piece sat on the side and might get might get my face on screen he was like um he was like won't you see the speaking part I was like oh go on then and he was like he just said um just say Ryan we play in the winter but I thought my delivery needs to be good here <laughs> I was like but Ryan you play in the winter so I mean a bit of a pause how, how you haven't got an Oscar for it is beyond me mate every time you say that line I'm just moved it's disappointing Really? Never mind. At least you put yourself in the shop window for like an extra part in one of his one of his next films. So you know that is that is true. I mean, Deadpool three. I've got a shout. I reckon. I reckon you got more of a shout than than uh, Moles or or Big Ollie P potentially. You know, you never. Yeah. You've got the spoken yeah. line. Let's let we forget. You know, you were there before Ollie was was there. So true. True. I take is, that. There is are these things to consider. So yeah. So just going back to to your time at the club, I think I think you scored six goals when you came in. Obviously, we mm-hmm. left out in the playoffs, which you've just taken absolute responsibility for. Which um, we, we we love that, so we'll we'll give you that one. And then going into the, the 2021-22 season, is it fair to say you didn't make as many appearances as you would have liked? Because I think it was seventeen appearances. Uh, one goal. I think there might have been some injury and illness in and around that time. Probably this time last year, if I remember rightly. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I had COVID. Who didn't? Dave Jones gave me COVID. Actually, <laughs> he gave me. He gave, he gave me and Devontae Redmond COVID. We li- we we'd had like um an in-house game at Collier's Park with like some of the youth team lads, and it absolutely lashed it down. Rain for the American viewers. Um. And we got back in the car to the ground and like Dave was like shivering. Me and Dev were like, you all right? He's like, yeah, I'm just really, really cold. And um, this was on the Tuesday. And then on the Wednesday night, me and my girlfriend went to see Tory Lanes in concert. And then by Friday, like I was aching and shivering. I was thinking, oh no, got the, got the Rona. So I did a test, tested positive. And then Kev, the physio, rang me. He's like, you need to take that video off Twitter of you at a concert because people will know you've caught COVID from there. I was like, shit, yeah, fair shout. And then Dave said to me, he's like, I reckon I'll give you COVID because he did a test and then he had it and so did Dev's. 
so yeah that was why I was ill um but back to your question um yeah of course I would have wanted to play more um it's really tough when you've come from any level of football and played most weeks as a as a starter to then be like have your position sort of changed to being that guy that comes off the bench it's hard like I would say to anyone watching it's like you doing your job where you work 40 hours a week and someone asking you to produce the same outcome with 15 hours in the week instead of 40 Mm. it's hard to it's hard to get the same um the same productivity levels and it was tough for me really mentally as well as like and because it's that like I've got 10 minutes here I need to sort of try and make an impact and a lot of the times when you're coming on it was like it was either you're going to run around up top for 10 minutes just because we've got the lead and we need to protect it or um it's sort of gung-ho Dover sort of um sort of performance so yeah it was disappointing because as well with all the fans and stuff you want to just be out there playing um but it's part of the game isn't it when 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 Dean Keats uh was allowed to leave in terms of his contract wasn't renewed Mm -hmm. there was a big gap then in terms of recruitment recruiting the new manager that seemed to go on forever I think for a long Mm, time yeah it did I think many of us thought we need this person in now because we don't feel like we're going to get like a full pre-season that's how it felt um, so was was that like did that play on the other players' minds as well? As like, okay, so we've got this great new takeover, and there's there's loads of positivity around the place, but why is this managerial thing taking too long? And first, first and foremost, does that cause um, any form of anxiety? And secondly, are you and the rest of the players thinking I've got to prove myself all over again now to a new person, and and the pressure is very much on because of what's going on around the club? Yeah, I think as well, the thing is when a new manager comes in, he's not daft. He's done his homework. He knows that person A has been sat in the stands for most of the season. Person B has been the best player. Person C is top goal scorer. So they're coming in with their own preconceived ideas, backed up by facts anyway. Um, Some managers will give players a chance more so than others. That's just the nature of the person and the style of manager. Um, But you do want to obviously prove yourself, but... I can't really say that it made me anxious in terms of who was going to be the manager. I was excited to see who it was going to be um, and what route they were going to go down. Um, Obviously, they chose Parkinson and it was quite late. I was actually fishing at the time. (laughs) It was like three days before pre-season. I was like to my granddad, oh, they found a manager. And um, he asked me. Where where were you fishing? You were fishing with your granddad. Where and what type of fishing? Um, I'm carp fisherman. I'm actually better at fishing than I am football. Are you like a match fisherman? Is this no, no? I'm I'm pleasure, bite alarms, three rods, stay over, barbecue, that sort of thing. Mirror cap, whatever comes along. Mirror, common, leather, koi. Um, one fisherman to another. This is where this conversation is going now. It's splintered it, off. Are you are you a fisherman? I I am, but less carp, more trout and fly. So that's a different. Oh yeah, no, that's not me. It's not relaxing. It's too much. <laughs> that involves activity. Yeah, I've got, I'm going to relax, not like stand in the water with the fish, pulling fly line off my reel. Who caught the most and where were you landing a carp when you were furnished with this news that Wrexham had a new manager? Um, I wasn't landing a carp at that very time, but I wrote it in my phone. That's how geeky I am. Like when I have a session, I write like the bite times of when I have the fish and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> was it like a little footnote said oh also had parky installed as new manager 
<laughs> next to the pattern of the carp he caught. He, he didn't make it into my fisherman's log. So, obviously, at that point, new manager, not new expectation, because we all know what the expectation is of the club. Right? It has been for many years. It remains now, if not higher than ever. Yeah. I mean, what, what, what's, what goes through your head at, at this point? Because, you know, there's, there's a pool of, of strikers there. Um, and you're vying to sort of aim for that that first team as well. I mean, it's 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 a difficult one, and I'm always like intrigued to know how how sort of players push one another. I suppose in a team, we've all said you know Wrexham's never had strength and depth as we have at the moment. Never had anything like it, as far as I'm aware. <laughs> as far as you know, I can't think of anything that's been as strong as this one for a while. So, does that does that? push you to to try and push you to new levels because you, you very much case of like if i'm in there i've really got to hammer this spot down otherwise i know they're breathing down my neck very much so but like i was also quite realistic from the situation that was happening like come from my dad to be honest he was like he knows the game and he's like he's not like a trophy parent he was like this season's gonna pay out like this he said they've got money they've got a new manager they can get realistically who they want don't think you're going to start every game. Hmm. It's not going to be that. You are going to be scratching around for off the bench and then you might play a few. You might come in, do well, and then be prepared to come back out. And he was right. Um, but I think it's a it's a completely different situation, the Wrexham thing, to like any other club because of not even the owners, but the money situation. So you know that in football, well, in life you're replaceable anyway, but in football and at Wrexham at that time, it was like, well, they can get who they want and they're going to get who they want because the goal is promotion. Yeah. You mentioned your dad there, Terry, I think is his. Yeah. Very accomplished player, played for Northampton and a few other clubs, I think. So we have to. Yeah, he was at Fulham and finished off in the meeting and stuff. Yeah. So, so a good person to get advice off, really. You know, it's, it's somebody's been. Yeah. In- Just a realist, you know, he's, yeah. he's, he's been in the game. So it's. Um, because it is like when you try to explain to like I sit and tell my girlfriend things and she'll be like, I just thought if you were good, you played and if you weren't, you don't. And I was like, oh, wish it was that, <laughs> you know, and there is like a lot of politics in it, but that's just part of it. And we're in it. So we can't, we can't complain about it. So he, he does provide that sense of like um, realism and well, this is probably going to happen. Yeah. So be prepared for it. So I kind of did mentally, I went into it like I want to, play every game and stuff but in the back of my mind I was realistic so that when that time did come when I was more on the bench and games were harder to come by I didn't let it get me um get me down because it can really eat away at lads um and at the end of the day you've got a life to live and um if you're not right in that um mentally then you can't you can't perform to that level so you have to come to terms with things as quickly as you can mm. to then um go on and perform to the best of your ability, really. Dio, can I ask what training was like in that in that frustrating time you're talking about? Did you feel that there were opportunities at training to prove yourself or did it did it sort of feel quite I must have felt frustrating, but did you and some of the other lads maybe who weren't getting picked feel like they weren't being given that chance in training to prove themselves? Yeah, I mean the team the team kind of picked itself and as we 
we found out towards the end of the season, which is maybe why we missed out, lads were tired because the same lads were sort of playing um, on a regular basis. But for me, training Monday to Thursday, like Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday was my time to get my enjoyment out of it because I knew that come Saturday, maybe I wouldn't feature so instead of using like like you were when you start, you use Monday, Tuesday, and you build up to Saturday, and that's your time to like right. I'm going to show everyone. Like I peaked at Friday, and whatever came Saturday, I was expecting. So whether I and I accepted it. So whether I didn't play, I was like I'm disappointed, but it is what it is. And if I did play, it was a bonus. Whereas some lads, like I'll name Cam, Jarves, they found it really hard to to process that they would like build all the way up to Friday thinking they were going to play. And I'm like, you know, you're not going to play. So don't get pissed off and be sulking. And it was hard for them. But then in the end, after a couple of weeks, they realized, well, we know what it is now. We're going to train our hardest, enjoy training for what it is. And then on Saturday, if we get picked, it's a bonus. And that's how I, how I dealt with it. I don't want to draw you into uh, necessarily criticizing anyone too much, but I mean, yeah. what you're talking there about um, Cam and, and Dan Jarvis communication between uh, the, the, the coaching staff necessarily telling people why they weren't starting. Was, was that fairly open and transparent or, or was um, not? not really. And in football, like managers have to play the game because it's really difficult because they've got, 20 lads to deal with 20 emotions 20 different egos no one player is the same so you have to kind of learn like well someone will say I'm going to chat to the manager I'll be like what what are you really expecting to say because he's not really going to say to you you ain't good enough that's why you're not playing he's going to probably give you a reason like well you know I don't know if you've been training well enough or that kind of thing, which will make you feel better for another week until it happens again on Friday. Then you lose your head and then you want to speak to him again. So normally as well, you get like the coach and the assistant is that like link between player and manager, unless the manager's really close with the players, which I had at Barrow, Ian Everett was like, he had just finished playing. So he was like, he loved all the lads. Um, you're asking for a cup of tea. No, my missus just come back in from being out and she was just waving at me. So I was just saying hi. <laughs> um, yeah, Ian Everett was, was really pally with the players and that helped with what we, we ultimately achieved in the end. But you had like Park, Park, Parkinson and then Parky being his number two. Parky was more chatty with the lads. And then you had Dave Jones, who lads wanted to speak to because you've, He's Dave Jones because he's got loads of experience and he's like the world's nicest guy. Uh, last one on this. What about the system? Is there Was there a feeling, you know, that there are some players that even this season sometimes you think, are they not getting game time because of the system? They just don't suit it. Are they not clicking because this system doesn't quite suit them? Is that something that you feel like as well? Because you're, you know, you're something of, forgive me if I'm wrong on this, but I've always thought of you as like sort of like a winger slash striker or like playing <laughs> wide sometimes, which doesn't really fit into the system, I think, does it? Yeah, I mean, I don't think, if you want to talk about the the manager, he's got an excuse for that this season because he's been able to, over two summers and a January, recruit who he wants. 
So the players that he has now should all fit into that system. Um, me personally, my favourite position is to play as a number nine, that sort of off the big man like I did with Kwame and stuff. Um, so that can definitely have a, an impact on who plays and who doesn't. But more so when a manager maybe just comes in or if he comes in during the season when one's been sacked, he's got to kind of work with what he's got. We have something on this show called the Fearless Moment, which is the moment playing for Wrexham that filled you with the most passion. You know, it could be a goal, it could be a particular match, or just any experience really that filled you with passion at Wrexham. Um, goal away at South End. The two um, each, yeah. Yeah, we didn't play very well away story of Rex <laughs> which, which is so weird it's one of my mates said to me the other day he sat right here he was like I put Rex in my accumulator and they 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 done me dirty I said were they away he said yeah I said don't bet on them away <laughs> I said for whatever reason they ain't winning away on a yeah. regular basis like they do at home which is strange but yeah we'd give it um the south end one I had a few nice moments when I joined, but obviously there was no fans there, so it was different. Yeah, that I was, I was there in that uh, South End game. There was, there yeah. were some limbs to be fair because you know, <laughs> the greatest of respect, we were pretty crap for for ninety percent of the game. So it was a, it was quite a turnaround to get those two goals because I don't know where they came from. They were two great goals as well. Yeah, they were like mirror images of each other, weren't they? Yeah, but good breakups. I remember another well, Tyler uh, played a big part in those goals, didn't he? I think yeah, he played right wing back that day. Mm. Yeah. Mm. No, that was a that was a good day to be fair. But yeah, strange how things are exactly the same as season on. Mm. <laughs> 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 ah, you said that, not me. Right. Sorry, Tim. Do you want to pick up from there? Yeah, no, I was just uh, obviously um, going back to the start of the year, really, sort of back in. Back in January, um, I think you're almost, I think you're about 11 months into an 18-month deal, and then the contract um, gets extended for uh, for an, another year. Was was that a surprise for you? Was it a delight? Was it a bit of both? How, how did that come about? Because clearly, despite what you may have not been thinking at the time, whether you felt, even though you've alluded to it, I'm, I'm not here to make up the numbers, but if my time comes, I'll mm-hmm. get my chance. So the fact that, you know, they, they wanted to trigger that extension for another 12 months. Was, was that music to your ears or was it a little bit apprehensive? It was a strange one because I had a clause in my contract, which I've never I've never had or heard of anyone else having. But I don't know if it's something that the trust had put into people's contracts as a um, sort of general thing. But it was like January the 7th or something. If I hadn't been offered a new deal, I could have left for free. Okay. Um. So I knew about this and I was kind of of the belief, well, if someone comes in for me and is offering me regular football, that would be something that I'm interested in and I would consider. So then when he told me, it was actually a day before that, that trigger date. Um, and so I was like, well, I was like, oh, no, I really appreciate it. But I said, oh, I just want a bit of, you can't guarantee anything in football, but I just, I said, I just want a bit of assurance from you that, if I train well Monday to Thursday and do all right when I come on, that I have a bit more of an, an impact because 
I just wanted to play games. And I think most most lads are like that. Some aren't, but the majority of lads just want to play because it's your job, isn't it? And you just want to do your job and put yourself out there to say, well, this is what I can do. And we're all happiest when we're playing. So, yeah, it was a strange one. But then after that, like, initial, that's strange. I was like, come on then, let's crack on with it. That's just how I am. Like, I'll just get on with it. Yeah. So I did, really. Was it daunting as well? Because when, when you've got um, the Mullin and Palmer double act, which mm. clearly worked and it continues mm. to work, when they form this, this partnership that looks fairly unbreakable, yeah. Does that does that then sort of plant a further seed of doubt in your mind to think, well, I know I'm a good player, um, but when when those two are knocking in goals and and forming something, obviously you can allude to it with with you and Quiggs at Barrow. When you form something, it's mm. great for you two stars. It's not so great for the guys behind you. Of course, so, yeah, yeah. Did that very much feel like that gone full circle? You were now that guy that's trying to break these two apart and and, and get right in there. I actually never thought about it that way, but I I actually said I actually said to the manager, I was like, before Ollie come in, um I think Hi yeah, it would have been Heidi was playing with him. Yeah. Or maybe Heidi got injured. And um I I said to him like I, I do want the opportunity. And I said to him, I said, I know Moles is gonna play every week because you're not going to buy a Ferrari and not drive it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And the Ferrari performed really well anyway. But when you bring players in of that calibre, they're going to play. Because if they're on good money, then if the manager signs them and then four weeks down the line doesn't pay them, the board are going to be like, well, we're paying him this amount and you're not playing him. So it need, the manager has to make it work. So there's like there's pros and cons, isn't there, to having money available to you. It kind of gives you a broad spectrum to say, I want him, him and him. But then when you've got him and him and him, you've got him, him and him. And there's no real room for other people. They're sort of, they're, they're, they are backup dancers, essentially. Yeah, yeah. I suppose that, it's a difficult one, isn't it? When, when you're in that in that situation, I suppose. But I mean... I suppose. At what point did you did you kind of feel that there was an, an element of writing on the wall for you, despite the contract extension? Because you know, if we, if we go back to to last season, um, you weren't in the squad for Wembley, you weren't in the squad for the Grimsby playoff game. That then continues to the start of this season. You're not in the matchday squad for the first six, and then that culminates in your move to Harrogate Town, where you are now. So, was was there a point where you thought? I've got to go. Well, to be fair, after we played Eastleigh, we come, did we come back and win? Moore smashed the pen in the top corner. 3-2, was it? Against Eastleigh? Yeah, at home. We definitely beat them at home, didn't we? Back yeah, that's... We only lost once, was it? That was against yeah. Dover, wasn't it, last season? So, mm. I come on against Dover in the mad game. Came on against Eastley, and Eastley was um, the last game because it just seemed a, a theme that he was bringing me, Jarves, and Maka, Maka Linden on, and we were doing all right. And then it was just before the Solly Moors game, 
we were training at Kefrin Druids and we was doing a shooting drill and I just like let one go in my left foot, which I've done so many times. And I just felt this click in my hip and I went down and I felt this burning in my quad. And the first thing that was on my mind, it was like, I was like Wembley. I just thought there's, I can't, I can't miss this. And in the end, I didn't, I didn't get back fit because I'd done some silly tear in my quad or something. So that was why I didn't feature from mm. Eastley onwards because I felt like from Eastley prior a few games, I was coming on and I was, we was doing all right and results were positive. And I was in a, a decent space. We'd actually played a game on Kevin Druids on that Tuesday um, on the Astro with... The lads that weren't playing and then some of the youth team again and the manager has actually said like, oh, blah, blah, it's the best I've seen you, whatever, whatever. Um, and I was like, oh, nice to hear. And I felt like I was in, not in a strong position, but in a good position considering what I had been. So that was a bit of a gutter for me to be injured at that point. But nothing, I know that even if I was fit, nothing would have changed the situation moving into the new season. Um, uh, to be honest, I knew, we knew in January that they wanted another striker in, which my dad, again, about a month before, he's like, they're going to bring another striker in January. So just just be ready. And then, um, lo and behold, they did. So I was kind of in that like mindset where I never, my dad always said, never too high with the highs and never too low with the lows. And I just stuck by that. Because football, as a fan, like I'm a fan as well, it's so up and down, isn't it? Like if your team win, like the weekend's the best. And if they lose, you're just like, oh, for God's sake. Yeah. So like as a player, you can't be like that. Some lads probably are, but I just don't think it works to be a footballer and be up and down. You just have to be like middle of the road with things. So I kind of learned to deal with it like that, really. So, I mean, when, take us back to September, you're not, you're not started. You're fit. Um, how does that move come about? Um, is was it made clear that you know if, if if somebody does come in for you, you go with our blessing, or was it very much a case of I need game time now? You know. Yeah, it was a bit of both. Like the manager was like, he said, I don't feel like there's many other strikers like you. Um, we we know what we've got in you, um, albeit you haven't played much. Um, and I, I just said, like I said to him in January, I was like, I just want to play. Like, that's all I want to do is just play football because that's when ultimately I'm at my in, in, in work happiness, if you like. Um, so it, I'd heard about the Harrogate thing a couple of days before the window ends because for some reason nothing happens, does it, for like 25 days and then for the last four days everyone runs around like idiots, which just sums football up. Weird. And then I heard about it and I was like, oh, played against Harrogate. My dad actually played with their, their manager, actually. He was, they were centre-half partners. Um, so I knew him from when I played against him numerous times with Barrow and stuff. Um, so I was like, oh, that would, that, that would be good. Because obviously it's a step up in the league anyway, in the league pyramid, which I'm not, it's not what I've always been about. I just, as I say, I just wanted to play, but that was a bonus for me. Mm. So they were saying like, We've only got two strikers, really. Um, you'll be the third one that we've got in, and there'll be a competitive um, 
sort of fight for places. And that's what it had been until I hurt my ankle. So, yeah. Enjoying it, though, since you've been there? Yes. It's a completely different setup to Wrexham. Like, it's a small club, um, manager, manager's dad owns the club. It's like more like small, just on a smaller, like, family scale, if you like. Don't get big crowds. They're blessed to be in League Two. Yeah. But like in League, like as you guys know, in League Two, you can put together a run and you can be in the in the sort of in the playoff places. So yeah, anything can happen, but no, I'm enjoying it by the uh, by the injury. Yeah. How far away from a return now are you? Um back Christmas time, I reckon. Yeah. So yeah. Bit ahead of schedule, which is good. So yeah, fingers crossed. Good. I think Reese is going to hit you up with some uh, some quick. Yes, be- before I do the quick fires, actually, um, mm. I'd, I'd I'd be really interested to hear some insight into uh, the team, sort of this season and the team that you were a part of and the squads, because mm-hmm. it's so great when we have players who are on, who played recently to get this insight that we wouldn't usually get, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, who are the? It seems like now there's quite a there's an experienced group of lads there you know in the football leagues as well who are the real leaders in the squad who are the people who are sort of dominating the dressing room dominating training who's driving the standards um i think toes is a big big part of that um he's obviously had a really good career at all levels within the efl and stuff um got his promotion with with cheltenham most recently and um yeah he was he was the main driving force and he was the main one behind fines, which are ridiculous. Don't get me started on fines. <laughs> what kind of fines were there? Just fines for like stupid shit, man. <laughs> like, just no common sense behind fines. Like, we go to a gym. What was it called? There's some meatheads gym down the road. <laughs> it wasn't Everlast, <laughs> was it? not that Everlast one. We do use that. They use that now, yeah. but before... Um, pure pure gym? Or... No, it's, it's literally like a flipping industrial unit. You can see your breath in there in the winter and needed gloves. Yeah. I can't do you know, that. like, as you come out the ground, Jen, you come to the mini island. Yeah. Go straight over the mini island and then over the dual carriageway and you take, like, the third exit. And that yeah. Is it worse? Oh, I see. I can see. IPC, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, like, Dave Jones has had to speak to the manager. It was That was this season. So he's chatting to the manager, and then the lads were like, oh, you need to be at the gym at one or something. So we turned up there, like, four minutes past, and they were dancing, cheering, like, woo, and all this nonsense. And I'm like, what are you just jumping about at? But like, fine, I'm like, no. Dave was chatting to the gaffer. And they're like, no, fine, fine. Nonsense. And then, then Dave was like, "Don't worry, that we're not getting fined for that. I'll get that revoked." I was like, "Cheers, Dave." So just dumb stuff like that. So yeah, Ooh, he um, loves the uh, fines. How? Uh, what kind of fine would you be looking at there? And what would it go towards? What would the, what would the pot pay for? Yeah, Christmas do. Oh, okay. So right, this is the stupid thing about footballers and fines. Yeah, fines are all about standards. Then it's that's bullshit. It's all to do with the Christmas do because after Christmas, no one gets fined. <laughs> so it's not to do with standards. Because <laughs> really, Excellent. truly, that's the most important part of the season, the second half. But once they've been to Dublin or wherever they've 
I think they are going to Dublin actually because Bryce said the other day. Oh, really? Yeah. Where was that? You've, let, you've just let out a state secret there, Dior. Where, where, was, it, where was it last time? Parky cancelled it because of COVID. Uh, there you go. Um, speaking of the gym, who shifts the most tin? Who's the, who's the big boys? Um, do you know what? Bryce can bench like 100 plus. That's very mm. impressive. Yeah, That's, I know. Of all the people you said, I never thought it was going to be him. <laughs> yeah, because... <laughs> We did a bench, like a bench press test in pre-season. Bryce was moving like an NFL combine athlete. Yeah, he's banging them out. <laughs> who's the Who's the fittest? Who's the uh, you know who's who's winning the bleep test? Oh my god, James Jones is a freak. <laughs> is he? That he's doesn't surprise me at all. He like I've never I've never seen anything like it. I reckon he's dropped out of the EFL because of the drugs testing or something. <laughs> he is, he's a freak. He's the nicest man ever, but like I've never known anyone run like it. We did a yo-yo test last January because we had like a weekend off. I'd like dropped out. Most of us had dropped out, dying on the floor, caught our breath, had a drink, went for a shower, come back, and JJ's still running. He's, <laughs> he's a freak, man unbelievably fit and you can see it on the pitch like he's just got one pace and it just never breaks yeah he's he, he's he doesn't stop um that's uh, a flag Harry, does he that's the james yeah. jones flag right there he's got one pace that never breaks that's the yeah yeah there you go flag. i like it <laughs> yeah the, the banner that's the new song that who's the joker in the uh change room is there more than one blainer i can see suffer. that now yeah yeah He's like seen... with with like fans and stuff. He's proper shy, but like get him in the four walls of the dressing room. Like he had obviously re- he did the hand injury, didn't he? Yeah. Mm. And um, normally with that sort of injury, you'd end up getting a period of time off because you can't come in and really do anything. But like they were getting him in because the gaffer liked to have him around the lads. <laughs> <laughs> Keeps the spirits up. Yeah, basically. Yeah. yeah, I think we saw more of that side of him in the documentary because you're right. I can't think of many occasions when he's appeared, you know, for interviews with the club channel or much like that. But yeah, yeah, it seems like a bit of a character behind the scenes. Yeah, he is. He's mad. He's mad. And so who's, loud. Uh, you mentioned about the Joker, kind of similar, but who's the who's the one, the sort of inappropriate Joker, the one who kind of makes. <laughs> jokes at the wrong time when I don't know Parky's trying to make a really serious point who's sort of pulling faces <laughs> actually maybe you shouldn't answer that re- <laughs> in case Parky listens to this I'll rephrase that who's the who's the yeah who makes inappropriate co- jokes when they shouldn't I'd, I'd say Lena okay just fair. like he'll like he calls like lads will be in the gym yeah or like if someone's got their top off he'll be like look at fucking chassis on it like, who says chassis? <laughs> Just, the only person who says chassis is Finchy in the office. Unless you work in, like, Toyota, I'm never saying chassis, ever. <laughs> <laughs> Ferrari chassis. Ferrari yeah. chassis. Brilliant. <laughs> that was a good impression. You've nailed that. <laughs> Thanks. I've spent enough time with him in the car school. <laughs> oh, yeah, who was in your car school? Um, so when I first joined, I was living in the house in Wrexham because my... Um, apartment which I'm in now in Manchester was like going through um, why does property take so long in the UK 
It's embarrassing. Absolutely embarrassing. We should launch it annoys it. me even thinking about like the process. But anyway, so then when I moved, I was in with um, James Horsfield. He's the best guy ever. Hey. Oh. He is absolutely hilarious. Oh, is he? Yeah, great guy. Horse, Devs, Dibs and Lena. And then this year we had um, Briz signed. And Dave Jones didn't want to be in a five-person car school. So there was we, we split up, and Leno's way too loud for Dave Jones. <laughs> <laughs> so it was um, Leno, Dibs, and Briz. That is like the loudest car school ever. <laughs> and then it was like the, the softly spoken, chill people, me, Devs and Dave Jones, and we just talk about COVID, vaccines, conspiracies, all sorts, really. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I'd imagine a bit of um, highbrow audio listening in there, a bit of Radio 4 Today programme every day on the way in. Do you know what? Dave Jones has got good music taste. He likes a bit of old-school R&B. Does he now? He does. I was really surprised when I got in the car. And I yeah. seen like Aaliyah's name on the screen. I was like, oh, nice. <laughs> is he a good coach, Dave Jones? What's he like? Yeah, he is. He is good. Like, I really think he'll end up at like, the top of the game, whether that be in managing, because I think he would love to be a manager. His opinion might change more so now he's in it. I'm not too sure. But coach and like knowledge, ridiculous. He's, he's Wrexham's biggest asset. Really? Without oh, a doubt. Right. Without a doubt. He's been there and done it, isn't it? I think people kind of forget uh, of the level he reached. Yeah, what... like, D- Dave, um, when, when I was at Barrow um, and Evo left, David Dunn become the manager. And we moved training grounds from, like, near Rochdale to a place in Nutsford. Um, and Dave started training with us because I believe he lived local to there. And... Um, he was in like my dressing room because we were split up because of COVID. There was only like six in the dressing room. And um, like this guy walks in with like long hair and stuff. And then um, we was just chatting. I was like, he's a nice guy. And um, he was like, oh, where have you been at? I was like, oh, um, I've been at Redditch, Port Vale, Bar- um, obviously Barrow. And I haven't really played pro football that long. What about you? And he was like, and he kind of looked a bit awkward when I asked him. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, he was like, because he's the most like humble guy ever. And he was like, um, he's like, yeah, I've played for um, Wolves, um, Burnley, Sheffield Wednesday. And I was like, oh my god. <laughs> and then I, I asked Quiggs. I was like, Quiggs, who's who's the guy in our dressing room? And he's like, it's Dave Dave Jones. And I was like, flipping, no way. I was like, what? The guy who used to shave his head and look like an absolute loon. He's <laughs> like the nicest, long-haired, softly spoken man like I've ever come across. I couldn't believe it. When we when and, we first signed him, I was like, ah, that's not the same guy that played for Man United. Because like you said, he looked like an absolute nutcase. Like, yeah. Proper train spotting, got a full shaved head. Yeah, and, I couldn't, I couldn't believe stayed, it. And he's turned up looking like he's been playing Serie A for the last couple of years. Yeah. Like, what a glow up he's had. <laughs> 
like it was uh, incredible and like we we got on so well like um I need to meet up with him actually but he's just a lovely guy and like you just want to chat to him but we didn't really chat about football too much because you're doing it every day and, and whatnot but when you do chat to him about football like whatever he's saying like you just li- you're gonna listen because he Are could you- use an he could use an example to me and he'd be like you need to do this because when I, and he wasn't doing it to name drop he was doing it to like cement the, the his point so he would he was like to devs he was showing him this thing that he was like you you come to the ball um like one touch lay it off and as you're um you want to receive it that way but he said come to the ball and then let the ball run across you he was like david silver used to do it to me it used to just fry my head so straight away you're like oh my god mm. like this guy's he's the truth because he's played against these guys and he's seen it firsthand. So he's such an asset for the club, such an asset. If, if um, let's just say for, let's, in an alternative universe, Wrexham failed to go up, which is not going to happen because we are. And, and Phil decides that his running contract is, is no more. He goes or whatever. Would, would you imagine Dave Jones would throw his hat in the ring? Would, would I know you said that he's destined for the top. Would he, would he ever be prepared to start at a lower level and make his name? Oh, a- absolutely, absolutely, he would. He'd be incre- he'd be an, he'd be such a good manager. Yeah, for that club, he really would. He's a local lad as well. People kind of forget that he's kind of you know, brought, brought yes. and so on. So, yeah, I mean that's that's a very alternative sliding doors moment for another time. But I just thought it's quite an interesting question yeah. to ask. Based mm. on just another thought I had, given um, what you said about his playing days. I mean, were you surprised, perhaps, to see he didn't get much playing time? Or do you think maybe it came to that point in his career where he was transitioning more into coaching quite naturally anyway? No, absolutely. I was I was shocked and disappointed because I'd like to have seen more of him. Like, he's, he's let's get it right, he scored the goal of the season. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Didn't he? Yeah. Bar Mulls his chip with his left peg against mm. Stockport it was the goal of the season and like yeah. I would have loved to seen him in there with like it's hard because of who you've got but can you imagine like Dave Jones in there with Youngie and JJ doing all this running but when when yeah. you're an, when you're a player who's older when they say all oh, his legs are gone it's rubbish because you just learn how to adapt your game to yeah. suit you better you know, well, you look see, at like, Little and Little Darren Ferguson yeah, time again. There I'm you. too young. Too young for that. <laughs> well, Glenn Little came to Wrexham and he had no legs. He was practically dragging himself around the pitch, but he still, whenever he came on for his half an hour cameo, he was unbelievable because no one could get the ball off him. Yeah, you don't lose it. Like we used to like play like little possession games. It'd be like four and four with a floater. I'd be like, I'm not playing if Dave Jones is a floater because he's. If I'm on the other team. And the other team have got the ball. A floater for the people that don't know. So you'd be playing 4v4 and the team that are in possession of the ball uses the floater. So it's a 5v4. He'd never give it away. <laughs> so I'd be like, I've come to football. I've not touched the ball and it's Dave Jones's fault. <laughs> so it was absolutely pointless because like, you literally do not lose it. And you're talking about it being him being a big asset for Wrexham. I'd imagine, um, you know, does word get around in the football community like, like, oh, you know, because obviously Dave Jones is respected, and it would make people 
I know people want to be part of the Wrexham project. Possibly we're quite an attractive club to be a part of now anyway. Um, but does having someone like Dave Jones on there make a difference when you're thinking what club, is it worth moving here? Definitely in terms of from like a player's perspective, because players look at it differently from everyone else because there's different things that they need to take into account. Um, I, I certainly would, because I'd want to know about the manager that I was signing for, because if he didn't play the football that suits me, then I'm not really going to sign for him. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. Okay, deal. So here are the quickfire round questions uh, from your time at Wrexham. Who was yeah. the most skillful player you played with? Dave Jones. Mm. Easy. Yeah. Sweet. Uh, who had the worst dress sense? Oh, he's such a nice guy, but Youngie's not. Yeah. <laughs> it really hurts me to say. It. Actually, no, Heidi flipping out. <laughs> really. Yeah. He was having himself as well, massively. Just what kind no. of stuff? Just, one day he's co- like Crocs, like Ollie Palmer must like be endorsed by Crocs or something because he just bangs on about them all the time. But like Heidi had a pair. He's like, fucking hell, boy, get on these. Fucking Crocs. And he walks out in these Crocs with trackies on and some shit hoodie. And I'm just like, I'm a bit of a fashion guy, to be fair. And like, I was just like, what are you doing? No. <laughs> just, yeah. Actually, no. Sorry, Youngie. Heidi. <laughs> I would promise to edit that out, but I'm not going to. Um, who was the biggest moaner? Um, Ollie Palmer. Yeah. Who was a moan? Oh, really? What kind yeah. of moan? Well, Owen would be doing the warm-ups and he'd be like, Owen, this is the 26th minute of this warm-up. The sun's going <laughs> down in a real... <laughs> words to the effect. His, his warm-ups were so long. <laughs> who uh, Who is the most underrated player, do you think, at Wrexham in your time? Um, I'd have loved to see Devontae Redmond in full flow. Mm. I really would. Mm. So I'm not saying he's underrated, but I would have loved to have seen him. Because he... Ability... <laughs> like... Silly, but it just needed the right manager, and he had two that didn't didn't see what he was about, and he didn't see what they were about, which is a shame, a really real shame. But he's in Dubai now playing, so could be worse. We're the losers. Okay, last question: Uh, Who is the hardest? Who would you least like to uh, fall out with? Aaron Aden. Oh yeah, I've got I've got such a weird story. Yeah, so. It was the de- at Wembley, right? So me, Az and Kwame are injured. And we're like, we're just... Because, like Wembley, it's probably once in a lifetime. You don't want to be out there watching the lads warm up because you're just thinking, that's depressing. So we're just like in the changing rooms, just eating Jaffa cakes. And there's these like, these cold tubs that you could like adjust the temperature. So Az was like, I'm getting in there. I'm going to do some rehab. Me and Kwame were like, yeah, right, sound. So he gets out, then I go in after him. And I'm just like, it was cold, so I think I was on my phone, like, just trying to take my um, my mind off things. And I just heard, you what? What? And I looked up, and Kwame and Az were, like, 
having an argument. Like they're literally like face to face, like here and there. They're just like Azul was like, "Don't try me," and Kwame was like, "I'm what?" And then like five minutes later, it just it, it was fine, and they were like joking and they were bantering each other about Arsenal and Tottenham again. It was the most bizarre thing. I think the, I think the, the stress of the day just got to the both of them. And I was just like, what is going on? Did you ever find out what it was about? Yeah, it was just about some dumb shit. Like, I think Kwame, I think Kwame's like a joker. So he just pushed his buttons. And I think because of the yeah. day, and like Az was missing out, I think Az just switched. <laughs> oh, poor oh, Kwame. God. He wouldn't have done that shit, but yeah. <laughs> Uh, just one final question from me, and then I'll let you get on with watching Matt Hancock eat uh, camel's penis. Um, <laughs> it was just one of the um, scenes I did notice in the documentary review, and was in quite an in well, what looked like an in-depth chat with Ryan Reynolds. Just wondered, you know, if you had a chance to have much of a chat with the owners and what you made of them as people. Do you know what I like? Maybe a few of us. We didn't know. Who, I didn't know who Rob was. Um, I'd never seen the show, even though a friend of mine is like a super fan, um, obviously knew who Ryan was. Um, and that day that I was having the chat with him, I was just like, if I didn't know who you were, I'd just be like, you're just a normal guy. Like, honestly, Rob's really nice. He's more lively, whereas Ryan was just just dead chilled. Um, we chatted for a while that day, but like, I felt like, when I spoke to him, I thought, I'm not going to ask you about acting. What was it like to be in Deadpool? Like, he probably gets asked that, like, a million times. So he was just chatting about, like, his um, his kids, his... Um, are they married? Are they not married? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. His wife. Um, and just about all, all manner of things, really. And we, I think um, he kind of let his guard down a little bit just because I didn't ask him the usual boring stuff. But... I um he sent me a really nice message on Twitter when I left, um, a little DM, and then I messaged him the other week to say because they're having a baby, aren't they? Mm, um, yeah. Just to say congrats. He was saying thanks. Hope everything's good. How's it all going? And yeah, he's just a really oh, nice guy. And do you know what? They actually they like they actually care. Mm. They're actually like they're they're sold on it. Like you can just tell it's a genuine. I know they're. They're both actors, aren't they? But away from all the cameras and stuff, they actually are like just genuine guys who are buzzing and they're now Wrexham fans and they just happen to own a club. Mm. So it's in, great... it's in safe hands, I must admit. What a great note to end on, eh? Yeah. <laughs> this needs to get promoted now, doesn't they? Well, yeah. yeah. Yeah, are we getting promoted this year? They've got to. They can't not. They actually cannot, they can't not get promoted. How do we win away, please? Um, kick the ball in between the, the, <laughs> the, three, the three white posts. It'd probably help and stop them kicking it in that same white, three white posts. And sound advice. Sound advice. Ah, <laughs> oh, great. Well, thanks to Dior. I mean, I wasn't in on that interview, but wow, what a what a what a good talker he is. Uh, apart from anything else, um, Liam, anything that you sort of surprised you from that? Um, I think it was decent to get some insights on your current players. You know, there's the funny moments where he's talking about 
you know, different squad members and their character traits, but it was also, I think you could read between the lines, didn't sort of overtly say it, but I'm not convinced he's the biggest Parky fan. Didn't sort of slate him, you know, he's a very professional guy, but I think there's enough if you just listen to him talking to get a little bit of that impression. Yeah, I think, I mean, he's, I think, I think he's one of the best speakers we've had on the pods, personally. I know we had the Scouse Mafia, they're very gobby and very very uh, opinionated, which is great and very funny as well. And I thought Dior was surprisingly, I wasn't expecting him to be that that jovial about stuff. And yeah, just a very, um, very placid, kind of free-spirited kind of guy, really. Um, so yeah, good luck to him at Harrogate. But yeah, really grateful for him, for, for him coming on. So let us know when you listen to it, what you think. Drop us a tweet and all that sort of stuff and, and let us know your thoughts on, on Mr. Angus's pod. Yeah, please do. Right, very, very quickly before the end, we've a small matter of the first ever visit to the, is it the Kit Kat Crescent? I think that's what it's called now. No, you're getting no? confused with the old shitty ground. Oh, is it? Oh, okay. Yeah, it's the LA. Can, is, are, are there any sort of, any chocolate bars involved? Is it the Star Bar no. Avenue or? Just, just really close? No, nothing. It's not even near the city centre, unfortunately. Nowhere near it. Um, you'd have to, unless you knew where you're going, you wouldn't even find it. It's difficult. It's in Slapbang, in the middle of a retail park. It's kind of hidden by various uh, retail uh, food outlets and so on and so forth. But you know, it's a kind of a cutish little ground that they're sharing with the York. Um, is it the York Knights? I think the rugby league team. Um, purpose-built stadium. Weird sort of seat color combo. I can't remember what that was about now. But anyway. They're, uh, they're in, are they in slightly slight disarray? They've sacked Askey, and they've had a bit they're of a sacked him by a by, via a photocopy, I think. Yeah, um, they were like, "Go and stand next to the photocopy. We have got a letter for you." And that letter uh, says, "Surprise!" <laughs> wow, harsh. That is cold by the medium of photocopy. Tim, what's the score going to be? Can you photocopy me what what the score is, and I'll go and stand on it, and then you'll tell me I'm sacked from the pod. Can I can I page at you? I fax at you. <laughs> I'll page right. you. Yeah, I'll page you. I'll do that. Um, yeah, I, I think we're all right. I, think, I, was, I was having a quick look at York's uh, recent run of results. They're not very good. Uh, they don't concede that many off the top of my head in, in that run of defeats and, and sort of, you know, the lack of the of momentum they've had. I still think they've acclimatised themselves reasonably well because I didn't expect them to come up last year, to be honest. So he did a, he did a pretty decent job and obviously not got much much thanks for it in the end. So I still think we've got enough to to go there and get a win. And yeah, I think momentum's with us. The goals are with us. Um, we're going to have a, a solid away following, similar to what we had at Oldham. It's going to be loud. It's going to be noisy. So I think we will win 2-0. Liam, I don't think they've got a manager role. They certainly don't at the moment. So how, how do you see it? Remember, this is just for fun since Reese ruined it last season. <laughs> um, I'll be a decent experience because it's a new ground. I don't know how decent the new ground is. Um, I was going to be pessimistic because every time I keep predicting that we're going to win away, we, we put in yet another disappointing performance. But like Tim, I've seen their their results, uh, including at home. I think they lost to Wealdstone at home recently. Um, I just can't see beyond this winning, but I'll say it'll be 2-1 rather than 2-0. 
Yeah, I'm going to go for a tight one as well. I think I think it will be 1-0 and a bit nervy towards the end. Right, I think that's it. Uh, we haven't done the third round pick just because by the time this comes out, there'll only be a bit, about eight hours before the actual... Uh, Let's just draw. guess with anyone just for shits and giggles because if one of us predicts this right, then... Okay, well, we're, I'm going to go first and we got Leeds United away. Tim, who did we get? We got Newcastle at home. Liam? Everton away. Right. Okay. So uh, when we play uh, Fleetwood away on on the seventh, <laughs> uh, all that's right. <laughs> seventh of January, is it? Okay. Just so I know. Yeah. I Great. Time. Maybe change for, for TV. Who knows? Some Americans might even want to watch. But Happy with news. that bombshell, goodbye, everyone. Take care. Safe travels to the Yorkshire. Cheers, everyone.